Hey guys, I'm on my way to the airport to go to New York to interview a very special guest, and I need you to do me a favor. I'm doing an episode soon where my guest and I will be answering questions together about news, politics, and being an outsider. I'd like you to call and leave a quick question on my voicemail, 785-4-BATTON. It's easy. In fact, you're listening to me leaving a voicemail right now. Well, I gotta go because my Uber just missed the turn. Better hang up. I have long thought highly of America. Let me explain. When I was growing up in Egypt, there was a certain expectation of how life would go. I would go to school, get good grades, become a surgeon, marry a good Muslim woman, and live a slightly different version of my parents' life. Culture would stay the same, so much so that I could just teach my kids what my parents taught me. Islam is right, sex and fun and gay stuff is bad. Done. I wouldn't have to add anything new or figure anything out. But I got lucky. I did some traveling. I saw different cultures. I saw outside the keyhole of my parents' generation. And you know what? It turns out that I like being in a country that lets you tell your own story. I almost left Egypt in 2011 and only stayed because on the same day my American visa arrived, so did the offer of a lifetime to host a satirical talk show. I felt Egypt needed my show, so I stayed until it wasn't safe anymore. I moved here to America with the idea that I would work hard, become a success, and introduce my family to their new permanent home. And I figured I would be welcomed with open arms. Though my plan has not changed, the warm reception I expected was a little on the cool side. America may be the land of opportunity, but these days it's also a place marked by division and led by an outspoken racist, not the new home that I had romanticized. Instead, if I had to describe my feelings about my experience in America in one word, it would be uncertain. I'll be honest, I'm afraid of failure, and there are no safety nets for me like I had in Egypt. Originally, I wanted to move here just to have a better life in the future. And that's true for so many immigrants to America. And I'm still hoping to do great things in America and be part of the reason that kids around the world in Egypt, Mexico, China, wherever, can someday say again that they want to move to America for a better life too. Today's guest knows a few things about immigrant patriotism. Kieran Deal is an Indian-American filmmaker, comedian, and actor. You're so aware that you're brown and you're a woman when a world is telling you that you're a certain way. How do you not internalize that, that narrative for yourself? She's smart, she's funny, and she's going to talk to us today about her own outsider experience and about telling the stories of other outsiders too. I'm Bassi Music. This is Remade in America, presented by CAFE. When it was time for my wife and kids to leave town for their summer trip to visit family, I figured, hey, I don't cook. This is great. I'll just eat a few carrots and lose some weight. But you know what showed up at my door and foiled my diet plans? Some basket. Now you can explore new favors, cuisines, and ingredients every week. Like me, you can also get delicious recipes and organic produce delivered right to your door. 
all thanks to SunBasket. Now you get more options than ever. Just go to the SunBasket app and pick from 18 recipe options every week. You can eat vegan like me or choose paleo, gluten-free, and many other options. And these recipe options, they are so easy. Even a doofus like me can follow them. So much for my summer diet. Go to sumbasket.com slash remade today to learn more and get $35 off your first order. That's sumbasket.com slash remade for $35 off. sumbasket.com slash remade. Okay, back to Remade in America, presented by Cafe. Today, we're talking with comedian and filmmaker Kieran Deal. We started our conversation talking about Kieran's childhood. She's an immigrant born in Britain, but of Indian heritage. We talked about her parents' double immigrant experience. Most Indian Americans in this country, the parents came right from India. In my family, it's like they were from Punjab, which is in the, the north, and they had partition, and so Pakistan kind of split. Pakistan got created and then Punjab was created. So a lot of people ended up on the wrong side of the line and then they had to move. So my granddad was in Pakistan, had to move to India. My grandmother was in Pakistan, had to move to India. So in 1965-ish, Britain opened up their borders and they were like, we need uh, people to come like work in our factories. They came and decided that they wanted to move because they had been upended anyway. And so they thought there were better opportunities. And then my parents came at maybe like 14 and 18 So then you have someone who had to learn English when they only spoke Punjabi and were ki kind of had an immigrant experience, but then moved to a different place. And there's still a lot of disconnect, but it's not it's not quite the same, I think, as coming from India and then like moving here. Kieran mentioned the creation of Pakistan. In case you don't know what she's talking about, here's a quick history lesson on the partition of India, which occurred 70 years ago. India used to mind its own business for thousands of years. Even when invaders came, they would realize it was too big to rule and just stayed for the spicy food. Hindus and Muslims both lived in India, in relative peace. But a few hundred years ago, the British showed up and their eyes got big. You see, a big bag of spice could fund a sailor's retirement and also buy his family a house. So they decided to invade and installed a colonial government in the mid-19th century. But India started fighting back. Mohandas Gandhi led a widespread nonviolent rebellion. He slowly united Indians against their colonial rulers. And in 1947, the British left. They could no longer justify the violence required to continue their rule in India. It was a bad look. But as they left, something strange happened. A new country called Pakistan was created. Just for Muslims, different groups have different theories on how this happened. Hindus typically blame the British for this division, saying that the Brits had political motives to weaken India. But Muslims, they just wanted their own country. Maybe out of fear, out of politics. It's complicated. Millions were displaced. Hindus and Muslims migrated to new countries, killing each other on the way. Suddenly, from one country there were two, and from relative peace there was death hatred and the beginnings of a bad relationship between two neighboring countries, one that has not improved much since. Let's get back to our conversation with Kieran, who was born in Britain but moved to Florida when she was five. Her life in Florida was a lot different than in Britain. I asked her if she felt like an outsider. It was a little bit more like you're on your own. 
it was just kind of my family like it like, there really weren't very many indians and there were no um there was no aziz there was no mindy there were no cultural points of references that you looked like like i remember one time when i was like five we had this nap time because you got to rest up when you're a child <laughs> and they would play music from different people's backgrounds and so everyone would bring in a tape and I remember being very proud of the tape that I was going to bring in and I think it was some like seek kind of quiet hymns but people were like this is weird we don't know what this is you know they're just kids they didn't know that story makes me sad Kieran was a little girl trying to show her culture to her friends in her new country by playing them religious music. And they called it weird. Maybe this hits extra close to home because my daughter Nadia is about the same age as Kieran was in the story she just told. But while Kieran remembers feeling like an outsider, a brown kid in a white school, I'm not so worried about my Nadia. She goes to a school here in Los Angeles where she's not the different kid. In fact, nobody is. Her friends are a cultural rainbow. Nadia's class has 25 kids. You can find Chinese, Korean, Indians, Pakistanis, people from Africa, people from Latin America, all kinds of cultures, all kinds of religions. It's kind of amazing. This might sound like a cliche, but Nadia doesn't see skin color. If you ask her to tell you about, say, her friend Jennifer, she will tell you all sorts of things and never mention that Jennifer is Chinese. And while, as her father, I want Nadia's innocence to never change, Racial inequality is a critical issue in this country and all over the world. So I know that someday Nadia will have to learn that the way people look matters to some people. Hopefully, not the hard way. But Nadia and her friends are a good lesson on the value of diversity. It's hard to hate people you grow up around. And unless someone tells them to, kids generally accept everyone. If you are listening to my show and your kid goes to school with a bunch of people who look the same, Get them some friends who look different. That's one way to save the world a little bit. One way to be patriotic. But while Nadia's childhood is filled with a diverse array of welcoming children, being an outsider is a little bit more real for the grown-ups, for me and my wife. And the same was true for Kieran's parents. How do I know? Because Kieran made a short film about them, about being new immigrants in America and what America meant to them. The film is called... American Hayes. Sundance was doing a season about patriotism. And I remember thinking, I don't have anything to say about patriotism. And they were taking pitches for shorts on patriotism. And then, you know, they were like looking at different topics and then immigrant patriotism. And it was right around the time of the election. And I remember thinking... We're hearing so much about immigrants. You know, we hear so much about it in the media, the, the, the divisiveness, etc. But what we're missing is like the swath, I felt, like... 80% of people, maybe more, who are immigrants come to this country because they want to work hard. They really, like, I think people really believe in the American dream. Like, it is the myth of that American dream that anything is possible in America. And that real, genuine, idealistic belief, that is something that's really held dear. I think my family held that really dearly in their hearts. It's like one of the most American qualities. When I was a little boy in India, there was no electricity in the village. What we heard about Americans was they were sending rockets to the moon. Have a lift off. Lift off on Apollo 11. Did you ever think then, when you were in that village, that you would live in America now? No. <laughs> Not in my wildest dreams.
And so when you hear we have to close our borders or whatever, you're missing like the 80 percent of people who just come here and want to work hard and like make their dream happen for themselves and their families, which is incredibly relatable. And so I really wanted to create a story with some intimacy and like and showcase that. And so I knew that I would be able to get that intimacy in a short amount of time from my own family. American Hayes starts with Kieran interviewing her parents like a documentary, but it ends with a dramatized scene, a barbecue, which Kieran only enters after flashing her passport, a powerful depiction of the difference between admission and acceptance. And then we came up with this idea of like how America in that dream, it's kind of like the, the notion of the fraternity. The American fraternity is like you get into the you get into the fraternity and um, and you're hazed when you get in and then you are a, a member of the fraternity and then just kind of like this brotherhood and understanding that like people become citizens of this country. But I think to the naturalized citizen, it means more. And so the end of that was kind of like, I love the idea of like imaginative realism and like what what would this ideal kind of place be where we're all um, our utopia? What would that be if it was like fun and celebratory and kind of has an element of like whimsy to it? And so that was kind of that barbecue scene. And so we're like, oh, you flash the passport and you come in and there's Uncle Sam and he greets you and there's like barbecue on the grill and it's got an American flag is like meat and it's just going to be like wild, like a fun time. Like that's what... I think that's what the pitch is when people think of America, like the idealized version of it. Kieran lays out two different takes on America, the idealized land of opportunity and the place where people haze you even after you get into their club. Nothing stings worse than having the people you romanticize, the people you idolize, treat you like shit. Being brown in America is a challenge today, but I can't imagine what it was like after 9-11. Kieran talked to her parents about that in American Haze. When 9-11 happened, I, like any other American, I remember dealing with, uh, you know, the tragedy of uh, the Twin Towers, you know, lost lives. And then at the same time, feeling that, you know, my patriotism was in question. Does that affect the way that you feel American? Yeah, usually, you know, the American flag is always considered a symbol of patriotism. And I felt that, you know, when I bought the flag and needed to have it on my car, that it would protect me from being targeted. I remember when I interviewed them, there was something really heartbreaking about hearing that because it was a never a conversation that we had as a family together that my mother felt that way or my father felt that way. So what I think is is like a kind of quiet, small, tiny tragedy is that everyone's kind of dealing with this sense of fear alone, you know? It wasn't a shared experience. Because I remember I, there's that thing, I've heard other immigrants say this, but when there's a terrorist attack, like it's a it's a terrible kind of switch in your brain that's like, Oh, God, please don't let it be a brown person. Like, there's the irony of, like, the relief of, like, oh, it was a white dude. Okay, thank goodness. Oh, I know that feeling. Really, it's three separate feelings. The initial reaction is relief. But then you feel sad about the tragedy that just happened. And finally, there is some guilt that you felt anything positive about it at all. And that was the three stages of terrorism grief for brown people. The human psyche is a tortured place. 
While I take some time to reset my brain, let's take a break to talk about our sponsors. When we come back, we will hear more from Kieran, including how she's not a doctor, but played one on TV. So don't leave us. Hiring is challenging. Maybe if Kieran had ZipRecruiter, she wouldn't have had to cast her actual parents in American Haze. Just kidding. They have a lot of star power. But if you have normal hiring needs, there is one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash remade. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. And it won't take long either. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash remade. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash R-E-M-A-D-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash remade. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I have had a long, happier relationship with sleep. I love sleep so much, and I never thought it could get better until Casper came into my life. Support for Remade in America comes from Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience, one night at a time. At Casper, mattresses are perfectly designed for humans. They are engineered to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. Voulez-vous? You spend one-third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. Casper brand mattresses combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Casper offers free shipping in the U.S. and Canada, and if you aren't completely satisfied, Casper makes it easy to return your mattress at no charge and no hassle. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash remade and using promo code REMADE at checkout. That's casper.com slash REMADE and promo code REMADE for $50 towards select mattresses. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, back to REMADE in America, presented by CAFE. Today, we're talking with comedian Kieran Deal. Before the break, Kieran told us about American Haze, a film she made about immigrants in America. Her parents were the stars of that movie. Later, I asked her about another movie she made starring South Asians, but this one is very different. It's about female soldiers in Nepal. It's called Woman Rebel. It took Kieran three years to make Woman Rebel, and the movie was shortlisted for an Oscar nomination. First things first, I asked Kieran how she even convinced the Nepali woman soldiers to let her make a movie about them, and she told me something surprising. It was like a bunch of men like sitting in a in a tent, and you're basically like pitching why you want to do this story, why you want to do the story about women rebels through a translator, you know? So it's like, think about this conversation. There was no women there? Not at the beginning. There were no women. It's just hilarious to me that it's like the people that you're pitching to are all dudes. I was like, this is like the most intimidating pitch meeting ever. You know, there's no meeting now that I'll go into ever and feel afraid. Here you are and you're like pitching it to these guys. And you can tell they're a little miffed like why? Just the ego of like why does she want to talk to the women? But eventually this guy was so helpful and so we were able to 
convince them, go to a camp, meet a woman um, who was amazing. We met a bunch of women, started interviewing women. After working with a few soldiers, Kieran found her subject, Silo. Kieran told us what she learned from the rebel soldiers. One of the things that really struck me was I think a lot of the things that people want are very simple. You know, they want access to equality. They want access to education, running water, electricity. And when you feel disillusioned by a government or by a system that isn't giving you these very, very simple freedoms and things, um, that is where I think revolution comes from. Kind of like drawing the line of like what's acceptable and what's unacceptable and really wanting to fight for people's uh, children, fight for the next generation of people and this sense of honestly, I think a selflessness, this idea that I want this to be better for my kid. I want this to be better for my country in the future. So in a way, this is a form of patriotism. You may or may not agree with picking up arms in a country and having a guerrilla revolution, but I think that that intention was there and that was that was very powerful. Kieran also learned a lot from Silo's parents. We got a chance to interview her parents and they were like they make the film. I mean, the, the getting to interview her family and her brother was fighting on the opposite side in the military, which she didn't let us know at the beginning. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, it was a while. Really? Yeah. She was fighting against her brother. Yeah. And so it was like, but it's like when we first interviewed her, it was like she very much painted a picture of like what she wanted to say. And then I was like, oh, can we go interview your your family? And she's like, yeah, yeah. But they like live really far up outside of Pokhara and it's a day hike. But we go and we see these parents and they're just... They're just people. They're just like villagers, like living their lives on a farm. And it came out in an interview with them that their brother is fighting on the opposite side. Uh, how did the parents feel that like their kids are fighting each other? Yeah, not great. They weren't. <laughs> they, they didn't feel great about that. You're already talking through a translator. And it's like you could genuinely I think you could see the pain. Like I think you could just see it on their face. You know, the 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 challenge and like talking to her about it. I think it's probably one of the most powerful moments in the film is like talking to her because because in in this like guerrilla revolution there's very much like the party you know like the party line and the party and then there's like the individual in that and I think when she started talking about her brother that's a place where you really see that kind of start to um, disintegrate or crumble in a way that that I, was not a planned thing but I think it's one of the most powerful moments of that of that movie experiences like making a movie like woman rebel convinced Kieran to continue down the path of becoming a storyteller and performer by bringing her talents to Hollywood. But she credits her immigrant childhood with the initial spark. I think I've wanted to do it for a long time. Like when I was a little kid with South Asian families or Indian families, it's like my granddad really, really wanted me to be a doctor. And so it's like when I was like seven or eight years old, it was like, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a doctor. And I was like too young to have a personality. And so it was like, I was like, yeah, I want to be a doctor. And then I remember watching like ER and I was like, God, that looks really hard. You know, and then I was like, but what those people are doing, pretending to be doctors, I was like, that seems pretty chill. Oh, so you're interested in the medium. Yeah, yeah. And and just knowing like growing up in America, just seeing what an impact. I grew up in South Florida and like what an impact um, film and television have on the way that people see themselves and the way that, you know, we... Um, interact with the world around us I think I was like this is a very powerful form yeah I think I was pretty fascinated and influenced like at an early age you know um, and was like yeah I want to do that Kieran and I have a lot in common our families told us to be doctors and we both listened for a while but then found our ways to the entertainment industry Kieran was seven years old when she figured it out I was almost 40 ever since she dropped out of the pre-med track in second grade 
Kieran has been telling stories and also performing them. But as a woman, just remember this. You can make a person just to hang out with you. It's like there's so much shit that I personally can't do. It's like I can't kill a spider and I can't eat Taco Bell without getting diarrhea. But you're telling me that this body, my body, can put together a human life while I'm watching Duck Dynasty? Kieran is a woman who has brown skin. Her parents are from India, but she was born in England and then moved to Florida. She is a lot of things, an outsider many times over. And I had so many questions. Kieran told me about some of the positives and some of the bad parts, too. We all have privilege and we all have disadvantages, like systemic ones, right? I'm lucky that I had access to the level of like literacy and books and content and media when I was a kid. I'm really lucky that I was born clever, you know? Like, that's a lucky thing. You don't have any control over how clever you are born or whatever else. I got to go to an amazing public school with, like, incredible teachers who were so supportive. You know, there's all these, like, real categorical advantages. And in this country, it's like you can be the child of immigrants with no legacy and get into Harvard if you work really hard. And that was what happened. So for all of the negative things, there were so, so, so many positive things. And the exposure that you get from all that, those are massive privileges you know like that's eight tenths of the world don't get those privileges i think um i think uh, if i'm being honest i think in los angeles we have an industry here that that is on its on the path to change in a way that's exciting but has a lot of entrenched racism and sexism that it's trying to deal with and so i do think that there have been times when i really have internalized like you're so aware that you're brown and you're a woman it's so put on you by the the world like I've never felt as much um being brown and being a woman as in Los Angeles which is crazy because it's like I was already adult when I moved here when when a world is telling you that you're a certain way how do you not internalize that that narrative for yourself and kind of transcend above so you have been a dark-skinned British immigrant child and now you are an Indian actress in Hollywood. Yeah. Which is more challenging? I think the latter. I think the reason I started comedy and the reason I really wanted to be more of a content creator and the reason I went back to like filmmaking is because the gaze on like my experience of like the gaze of what you look like determines what you get to play. You know, so I'll joke that it's like, oh, I, you know, I dreamt of playing a doctor on TV and now I've only played doctors. Though Kieran has played a few doctors on TV, not all typecasting is created equal. Early in her career, Kieran went to an audition that tested her limits. The part was was to speak in Arabic and to wear a full hijab and to and to like put a and the and the character comes out. This is in Weeds, by the way. Now, Weeds takes place in California, okay? But they go to Afghanistan just for this, like, little bit. And it's just like, uh, you know, two who characters. Don't, who, by the way, don't speak Arabic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so it's, like, great. And mm-hmm. then it's, like, yeah, exactly. And so then two characters say some, you know, oh, like, I'm cheating on my wife. You know, I'm getting a blowjob from my sister. I just cut a hole in her hijab. Like, that's literally what the dialogue is. Then the character who's being cheated on which was me, supposed to run out and be like, how dare you cut a hole in my sister's 
hijab and then hits her chest and kind of like blows up. Like that's the whole part. And I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to audition for this. I don't want to go out for it. But it was like the first or the second thing. And I just, and I thought, I'll go. I won't get it. And then I went and I got it. And then I remember being fitted and it was like six costume people, white ladies, YouTubing how to like put a hijab on someone and like no one was making eye contact. And it was like, I just like went to the car after that and I cried. Like I really cried. And then I called that manager and I was like, um, I'm, I'm not going to back out because I said I would do this, but I'm never doing anything like this again. Just so you know, like, I don't care how much money it is. I don't care whatever. I don't care. I don't, I don't need this. This, the cost of this is too high for me personally. That became a, like one of the first bits I did in standup. And I think that the reason for starting standup was really about being able to essentially reown your own story or reown your own narrative. Like you get, to, you get to paint the picture of who you are, which is what is valuable and powerful in the in the context of storytelling. And that's all for our conversation with Kieran Deal. I learned a lot from talking to Kieran today. First, that I should never call someone else's music weird, especially if they are a five-year-old kid. Second, that I should always bring Kieran to intimidating pitch meetings. And third, if I have to show my passport to get into a barbecue, it's probably going to be a weird barbecue. On a more serious note, I was inspired to hear about Kieran's parents and to be reminded that most immigrants to the United States are like them, like me. We come here with a plan to work hard, do good things, and build a good life. When I hear the president call immigrants rapists, when he says things like shithole countries, a small part of me feels bad for him. The poor guy, he doesn't know what he's missing. I was also surprised to hear that for Kieran, being an outsider is harder for her today in Hollywood than it was growing up as the only Indian kid in town. Her audition story gave me chills, the bad kind. Kieran is pretty young. That didn't happen very long ago. Yet, Kieran has been able to make fun of that experience, use it in her stand-up, and take possession of her own story. I don't just admire that. I plan to emulate it. If you connected to some part of Kieran's story and want to share your own with me, or just have a question, you can tweet at me or call me at 7854-BASIM. One of the people who recently called that number is Karishma, a globetrotter who currently lives in America. Karishma has heard me talk about my daughter, Nadia, and her multicultural friends, and called in to share her thoughts. Here's an excerpt from Karishma's voicemail. People feel good when they see people who look different from each other in relationships or in friendships or walking down the street together. But I just wondered really how much of an indication that is of multiculturalism. You know, in Australia, my Indian brother, um, I'm Indian, uh, is married to a very Anglo-Saxon white woman. She's blonde, blue-eyed. But, you know, while you could see them as a mixed-race couple, culturally they're very similar. And so I wonder whether that is really an indication of multiculturalism, you know, just because they look different to each other. Is it a multicultural relationship if their culture is the same? Look forward to hearing more of your podcast. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Karishma. Well, here's my take on this. I think people who look at multiculturalism through just the color of the skin is just very superficial because you can have people coming from the same country, but because of their upbringing, they will have different values and different cultures. I think the culture of the skin 
could just be one aspect. And I think people in the West, because of the immigration waves, are more sensitive to this. But in Egypt, for example, you have people who were born in Egypt, maybe born two miles apart, but one of them was born in a rich neighborhood and one of them was born in a poor neighborhood and they will be very different in all kind of levels. How they view religion, culture, um, how they dress, how they talk, how they view the world. So I think the skin color is just a very small part of it. If you have an outsider story or a question for me or want to suggest a topic that we cover on this show, tweet at me or call me at 785-4BASIN. If you like the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Every good review makes it easier for new listeners to find the show. And the more listeners we get, the more Nadia will be able to brag about her daddy when she grows up and makes a documentary about me. Remade in America is presented by Cafe and produced by Neon Hum Media. Our show producer is Vikram Patel, editorial support from Ashley Cleek, production support from Pallavi Kotomasu. Our executive producer is Jonathan Hirsch. Our theme song is by Beethoven Music. And special thanks to Jeff Eisenman and Brian Carmel. I'm Bassim Youssef. Talk to you soon. <laughs>